Hello, hello. Welcome to Big Brain, Small Talk. Zane, do the thing. Let's do it. Gets you high. That baseline, though, that baseline. You welcome, it. welcome, everyone. Yeah, I know. I'm the best. Uh, welcome to Big Brain Small Talk. We have our first guest of the pod, uh, some random person we found off the street now. Uh, this is Azam. Azam has been uh, a part of our life now for seven, eight plus years. Uh, Plano hometown, but we didn't actually meet until college. He was my roommate all through college and actually building mates with Zane multiple yes, times. Yes, fact, right? fact. Um, Ten years. 10 years. Oh, 10 years. Why are you aging us like that? I was trying to keep it cool. Bro, I'm hitting dirty 30. I feel old. So old. Like, let's just not. Let's just not. Yeah, uh, we're not going there. This The number of days that I wake up sore for no reason, too high. It's too high. Um, but we're here this week to talk about change uh, as it relates to jobs. So this season, our through line is going to be change. And each week, we're going to find a new topic that interests Zane and I. And this week is jobs, so we thought Ozem would be a great guest, not only because he's both our friends, but has uh, dabbled in a couple of things. I won't steal too much of his thunder, but uh, we're excited to have him here. I'm excited to have a good conversation. I'm excited to be here. So, uh, Zane, you want to kick us off? Yeah, yeah. Zane, you want to kick us off with yeah, uh, Drink of the let's Week? Yeah, do it. Okay, so we start our pods with Drink of the Week, and then also something interesting that's going on. We'll do a roundtable, me first. I'm living in Seattle now. There's no H-E-B here, so I got to get my juices from special places. Trader Joe's is day one. I got this, like, low-calorie strawberry lemonade thing. Um, if I go anywhere like Whole Foods, my wallet will hate me. So I'm living by Trader Joe's. I'm part of the cult, and I love it. And, uh, okay, interesting thing this week. Uh, we talked about pre-podcast how all I do is gripe. I'm griping again. I took a flight in last night from Houston, landed, and I need to get home. On the tarmac, I'm like, all right, let's look for Ubers, how much they cost. Like 45 bucks, no big deal. Um, I still consider taking the link train. And when I got there, the link train was dead. It was like on the rails, just not moving. I had to wait 45 minutes for them to resolve it. In which time, search pricing, fuck me royally, search pricing went up to $150 for me to get home. <laughs> what did I do? What do you think I did? Did I pay the $150 or did I wait to spend $3 on the link train? Wait, what time was it? What time was it? This was like 10.50 p.m. So you stay up there's, late. I don't know. Stay up there's late. a cab line. There's a cab line. Just no, who, cab who line. takes cabs? What is this? I took a cab when I was in, in Seattle. All right. Yikes. You took the Uber, didn't you? No, I waited for the train. I waited for the train and I did not spend $150 in the middle of the night. That is what I did. I'm a man of principles. All right, Sagar, go. Um, let, I will say though, I'm, I'm impressing, um, but I'd say count your blessings that you have public transportation to take you home. Yeah. Down here in Texas, we, we don't have that, you know. Uh, my drink of the week um, is a nice cold glass of milk. This is homage to Azam, our guest. I am a child, but uh, back in college, uh, Azam and I would crush like a gallon of milk a week, I think. Like when we used to go to our grocery store for the week, 
I think our staples were like a gallon of milk each and a box of Crave, like the, the staple yeah. of college diet. So <laughs> yeah, we like had our, our entire our right hand side of the fridge. The top, the top shelf was you could fit six one gallon containers. And so we had four gallons of milk and two gallons of sweet tea. And that was like our half of the fridge was perfectly Tetris did for those six gallons. Oh my God, that is wild. So yes, in uh, in Amash I'm, I'm crushing a glass of milk. Um, my interesting thing of the week, um, because I've been following this for a while, is about the four-day work week. Have you guys been keeping up with what's going on? Um, so the, the latest study, or the one that I read about, was one in Britain. There's like 70 companies going through mm. a six-month study of the four-day work week. And the punchline is... It's going much better than people expected. Wowza. Of the companies that were surveyed, all but two or three said that productivity stayed the same or even went up. Like six companies surveyed said it went like significantly up. So there's a handful of companies that are entertaining extending this little exercise. So it'll be fun to see what the implications are. There's a world in which we get four-day work weeks, but there's also a world in which People are sus about why we're not 20% more productive with our extra day. So we'll see. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited to see how that turns out. But I always love when stuff like this happens. Social experiments are, are pretty fun. I hear you. Awesome. What, what's uh, what's new with you this week? Anything interesting? Um, so I had, a, I had a target drink of the week, but then I was late and I'm too full. But my target drink of the week was going to be Whole milk, like Sagar's drinking, oh my with some God. Rufsa in it. You have to And it was going to be rose milk, and it was going to be amazing. <laughs> and I have oh rose milk God. as my, like, substitute dessert, you know, once every two weeks or so. But I didn't get there today. You don't Are you like still doing keto? <laughs> Do what? Are you still doing keto? No. You're just drinking whole milk for shits? Wow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm drinking whole milk because Ellie likes drinking whole milk. And I'm like, That's wild, we- dude. If we can have a thumbnail for this episode, it should probably be a glass of milk. Maybe rose milk as a nod. I like it. I think rose oh, yeah. milk has got to be today's thumbnail. I love it. I love and it. And an interesting thing, um, we bought a pickleball set last <laughs> week. And we found a pickleball court really close to our apartment. Like I'm talking less than a five minute walk. And it's usually pretty well populated. So on Monday at like 2 p.m., instead of going to the gym, I went to the pickleball courts and me and three 80-year-olds played pickleball. (laughs) And while I will say that I smoked them, their serves were incredibly refined. (laughs) So they they did catch me off guard a few times. This just feels like a very awesome thing, interacting socially with these 80-year-olds at this unique game. Come on. All right. I like it. I like it. I have so many questions, but I think I just need to come see it in person. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> I'm glad you found your people. Most times of the week, it's like, there's a bunch of like young people and some people are really good at pickleball. So I don't really fit in with that crowd because they're too good. But <laughs> this was just my speed. Is a pickleball court a tennis court or are they different? It's like a, it's like a shortened tennis court, mm. like in all dimensions. Okay. I love it. Azam is our, our go-to pickleball expert now. Good to know. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. This week's topics. Let's go. 
Jobs. Jobs is, uh, I think Zane's been in flex a little bit. I've been in flex myself. Azam now recently, I'll, I'll call you in flex. Felt kind of uh, stable for a little bit, but hmm. um, change in jobs. I mean, there's a lot to go and, and dig into there. But uh, Zane, why don't you kick us off? Talk yeah. about your, your latest job change and uh, the catalyst. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm newly in flux. Uh, I would say I worked at the same place for seven years, which feels like forever. Whenever I tell people that, they're like, "That's insane!" Because you know who sticks around that long? And I don't think I was a lifer, but I never intended to make a move until my hand was kind of forced. Um, but what changed? I mean, I was doing business school, and recruiting was happening, so that was my lazy way out because I don't think I was ever. I don't think I ever had enough of a drive to want to change myself. So it sort of fell in my lap and it was like, you should take advantage of this maybe just because it's happening. And, and I did, but the reason it ended up happening, I think is like fourfold. Uh, a, fourfold. I needed an ROI on spending money. Yeah, I was, you get a buckle in for these four reasons. Like I, I dropped a whole bunch of coin on school and I was like, you cannot stay in the same place. It felt like I had to do it. Uh, B, I think I was getting fed up with career management at where I was before. Every time I wanted something, I had to ask and beg and kind of barter and sometimes like threaten to quit. And it just was not fun. And I was tired of doing that for seven years. Um, it, it, it just felt out of my control. Uh, three, Your firm felt very formulaic, by the way. Yeah. Uh, more so than I know like firms have talent lists and stuff, but... What we talked about, I don't know, we obviously don't want to disparage old employers, yeah. but it was quite structured, quite intense. Things were like pathed out for you. Yes. It was very hard to deviate. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it was very, very old school about managing careers and having like a, a pipeline of different opportunities you need to get through to get where you want to go. And it just wasn't lining up for me. And I, I don't know, financially, um, like, I feel like raises were below inflation. They were treating employees badly. Um, morale in the office was low. It was just time. And it happened. After seven years, I I jumped. Was there, a, was there any, like, moral or ethical reason? Let's just say Zane's Maybe. old employer wasn't, <clears throat> like, the most environmentally friendly. Yeah, I mean, I worked in oil and gas, which probably didn't sit too well with me. It wasn't ideal. I don't think it killed me on the day to day every day, but I think it weighs on you about not being able to say um, every day you feel like you're changing the world for the better. Um, you know, there's a lot of small things about like one of the best things I did was work at a part of a power plant in Beaumont, which is a small town. And when hurricanes came through and wrecked us, we were the first ones who were on the ground because people needed to turn their lights on and feed their families. So like, yeah, you know, there's small wins here and there, but I can't say overall I was pleased. And hey, I mean, it's, it's part of what keeps you going every day. I think that's important with your career. Totally. Let's take a, a step back. Azam, do you want to um, walk us through your career just briefly, and then you can pick any one of three or four different inflection points in your career to, to expand on? Yeah, sure. So I... I went to UT with uh, Sagar and Zane. Know them very well. I got an engineering degree, like Zane did. Um, engineering unlike Zane, though, I made <laughs> for a pretty lousy engineer. Um, kind of almost from the get-go. I was no one's good. 
I wasn't great at it and I didn't have a lot of patience and, you know, I thought there were more interesting things for me to go do. So I went to a consulting firm uh, for a couple of years, right out of college, went there for two years. What I think is a little different than what Zane described is at least at that consulting firm, you know, they kind of described the analyst program as a two or a, maybe a three-year program. And so there was this natural breakpoint at the second or third year. And I think at some point many years ago, it was like a, okay, all the analysts need to leave and we'll maybe pick one analyst to go to business school and then come back. But we don't have use for a 24 to 26 year old who doesn't have an MBA. Over time, I think that got a little watered down and, and it started to be, okay, you can stay for a third year and then go get an MBA. And then it became, oh, you can stay for a third year and don't even need to get an MBA, that sort of thing. But still, I think there was this cultural background of like a lot of people left at the two year mark. And so I had it in my head pretty, pretty soon, as soon as I got there almost that, okay, I'm going to be here for two years. I'm, I'm definitely going to be here for those two years. Um, but I don't know that I'll be here for a third year. And I certainly don't know if I'll be here for years after that. So that kind of got me thinking um, pretty early on. It was really six months in or a year in where people started wow. talking about, oh, I'm recruiting for this or I heard about that job. And I was like, I don't even know how to do this job yet. Um, so I didn't really pursue any of those actions for my whole first year and into the you know, probably 18 month mark. Was and that then at that point, you, Azam? I think that was, I think that was, um, let's try 50, 50. Okay. I think there were people who had started planting scenes and dreaming up what they wanted to do next, you know, around the 18 month mark or so. Um, I ended up going to a private equity firm in New York, um, which was a big deviation from where I expected to be going. Oh, yeah. I wanted to go into startups or a venture capital firm or something like that on the West coast. But, um, the private equity recruiting cycle is weird and wacky. And I happened to be staffed in New York when the surprise, um, private equity recruiting magic happens. Mm -hmm. It's basically <laughs> like every firm decides they're going to recruit at the same time. Uh, they're like all playing chicken with one another. So they don't lose the best <laughs> talent. And so on a wow. Thursday they say, okay, we're going to go and start interviewing people. And then all the other firms here that they're going to that interviews are starting and they also <laughs> started wow. and for like five days, like the whole private equity world just stops and they everyone's just interviewing. And I happened to be in New York and I had a good friend who left the same, the, the consulting firm the year before I did. And he went to a firm. And so he said, you should just come and interview. You don't have to know whether you want to do this or not. You should just come and interview mm. because you're here and it could be interesting. So I went and interviewed there and got a job that started anywhere from nine to 21 months from my interview date. And what? I said, I don't know what the world is going to look oh like in 21 God. months, but nine months I can stomach. Yeah. Uh, wow. I had to wait six months. So I can't imagine. I had to, I went back to my firm and in secrecy worked there for six or seven months so I could wrap my two years. Undercover. And then undercover did finally disclose to them that I'm going to be going somewhere else. So wow. that's been my path. That's crazy. I guess I'm leaving the last chapter out, which is I worked at that private equity firm for three years. And then I left about two years ago um, to make my own path, which is a whole podcast in and of itself. So I'll leave that one for season two. Season two. <laughs> it's, wait, it's been two years? It's been two years. Two years. Wow. Man. 
two years. That's great. I, I, well, I will say the last chapter is probably the most interesting. Uh, give a little teaser, Osmo, what you're what you're doing right now. Right now, I am hunting for a small business to purchase with a group of investors, where I would kind of I would be the operator of that business. Um, so it's a way to build and use some leadership skills that I have, but also build some new skills and be in a very hands-on small business type environment where you've got a handful of people around you and some real practical constraints and you're just trying to build business. So I'm excited for it, but for the moment I'm doing the searching part and that part is less fun. Mm. I think there's a, something poetic about this though. Like it kind of builds on mm. what you did at what you did at and like Azam was not engineering smart, but he's smart, I guess. I can give that to him. Uh, so it's been pretty interesting because I think that it takes some like entrepreneurship and just like pick yourself up kind of mentality to do something from scratch like this. Like you don't really have a template. You don't have recruiting events or interviews. You're really like guiding your own path. And that to me is pretty intimidating personally. Mm, yeah. So props, props. Yeah, I'm scared out of my mind. So, <laughs> good scared, good scared. Nope, just scared. <laughs> just scared. I tried to give it to you. I was like, "Oh, good scared though." No, just take it. <laughs> awesome is nothing but honest for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, my I've been in a few. I've actually just recently made a job change too, which is why I think Zane and I were talking about this. Um, I've recently moved into consulting. A little late, but I'm I'm here now. Uh, I started off meeting my first employer at a career fair at UT. Oh my god, that shameless plug! <laughs> boy, I drank the Kool Aid so hard. I, awesome, you were there, I think, like when I came back from the summer. Oh my god, I was like, I, I'm done. Like I know where I need to be. Uh, it was like going into senior year. Like I got the <laughs> offer. I got everything I wanted. I thought I was hot shit, and oh, senior year was great, but. I thought I was going to be a lifer, Zane, to your point. Like I, I found the people I loved. I felt like I was in the world I wanted to be in, making somewhat of a difference. Um, that did fade slowly, but I found, my, I found my people. I think that was really important to me. Um, but when I left Vanguard the first time, I was dating my girlfriend, now Beyonce at the time, and we were long distance. And that's a whole different podcast, to Awesome's point. Uh, <laughs> so we both left and moved to Austin, went to a money manager. So that one was kind of out of necessity. Um, but I'd say the biggest change from, from my career was working at that new money manager. And I just found out everything I did not want to do in my day to day. It was Oof. like week after week, month after month, like everything that I did not want to do, the people I didn't want to be around. There were bright spots here and there, but basically I moved from like sales and account management to analytics, went back to boomeranged, um, thought I found my group again, that didn't work out and kind of just a culmination of all my experiences. I knew I wanted to give consulting a try. That was like my, like my light at the end of the tunnel. I like worked so hard to get to that point. I, I tried and interviewed right before the pandemic happened, did my final round, didn't get it because they froze hiring. And finally, I'm here now. So I'm pretty excited for this new chapter. Uh, daunting, but it, it feels weird. Like after you work towards something for so long, once you yeah. finally achieve it, it's like, now what? So I'm kind of There's in that phase always right the now, now what goes. I know. Yeah. 
Always an yeah. what. So that change was weird, but um, so any any interesting quitting stories uh, or anything that you were like stressing about, like awesome to work undercover for like six months is kind of wild. I had to do it for like three weeks in my last job and it was stressing me out every day. I was like, I got to work, but I don't really got to work. Like, how do I do this? Um, and anything specifically you want to talk about regarding your quitting process, boss reactions, resignation letters, anything that sticks out to you? I think the first, uh, the six months undercover was a lot easier than it, it sounds. That firm was a, it was a consulting firm. So it was, they're super people oriented and they're used to almost operating like a revolving door. So there are people who would come back and work there, like kind of like what you did at but like three times or four times wow. over the course of decades. Um, so they, I think, were all super supportive. They'd heard the story before. I don't know if there was anything. Uh, I think probably the most interesting element to that was there was this project that I really wanted to be on. It was my last project at the firm. And once I got on that project, I told the most senior person who I'd gotten to know reasonably well over the last two years, I told him, hey, just so you know, I can't be staffed on this for longer than blank weeks because I'm actually going to leave the firm. And he was like, he was like, oh, what are you going to go do? And I told him what I was going to go do. And he was like, oh, man, that's a real shame because I was going to recommend you for this other job. Just sort of adjacent to that. Oh, so no. maybe I should have consulted with him. Maybe I would have ended up in a wildly different spot. But I don't know that there was any crazy quitting stories. I think the places that I worked at were used to people kind of coming in and out. They were all super supportive. I don't think there was any. Um, the second place in particular, there's only 25 or 30 people who worked there. And we were like intensely closely together with almost everyone. Yeah, um, yeah. And I wasn't the first associate to leave their class for the folks that were more senior and for mm. the folks that were more junior. I wasn't the only one leaving at that very moment. So I don't think there was anything, you know, particularly controversial. There were a lot of like warm wishes, a lot of keep in touches and a lot of people who That's like nice. made the effort after the fact too, to keep in touch. It was, it was kind of nice. Remind me though, Azim, wasn't there kind of an inflection point where it was, like, ran with like a two-year associate kind of program and then you kind of left and to toot awesome's horn like they wanted to keep you right and you basically were at the let me stay let me go or do i stay and go up the ranks and whatever like at what well, at some point one day you're like i'm done and then you started your two-year journey that you're on now yeah i was kind of um what was your tipping point there were there were a there was one main inflection point which is at the two-year mark unlike my first firm this firm had, you know, kind of fairly strict, you know, two-year program. And you could continue on after those two years if there was, you know, mutual agreement that you, you should or you could. Wow. Um, and so I, I had the chance to stick around for a third year, which is really neat because you kind of get a little bit of a different role. You get, you know, a first-year associate that works with you, get a little more close interaction with the companies that you're evaluating purchasing or that you already own. Um, and then I, at the end of my third year, kind of created my own artificial inflection point, um, which was I never really intended to go into private equity. I don't think even once I graduated college and was at a consulting firm, I don't think I really knew what private equity was. I didn't know how to spell LBO or PNL. I never opened a 10K, never built a financial model. Um, 
so I went because a good friend of mine told me to come and because it was a big new city and that seemed kind of cool. But after three years, there's something, there's this voice in the back of my head that said, if you want to do this for the rest of your life, after three years, you should kind of know. Um, and I had enough counter voices saying, mm, this is fun and <laughs> it's actually really cool, but maybe there's other things out there. So yeah, I left. Um, and, you know, they were they were ultra kind about it. And they said, go do, go explore and go do whatever you want to. And if you decide this is ultimately what you want to do, you know, we have more seats in the office. So I took that as a nice uh, risk adjusted way to go and explore, but yeah. haven't haven't made any moves back yet. But this so. two year artificial timeline you talked about, just rewinding a little bit, I, I hadn't heard of this. Are you telling me after two years, if they don't want you, that's like a timeline where they just push people out like in mass right jesus christ yeah and everyone we had a class of uh five of the five two continued one went to business school and the other two you know they they left left or or left it was it, it was so mutually known that it was like by the end of it, it wasn't like they were getting fired. Like that's not okay. how anyone thought of it. It was like, oh, we okay. completed our program, and you know, they, the two of them too, they, they didn't want to work work this job anymore. Like they, okay. it was. Okay. There were very few surprises in the setup. It was very well preceded months and months in advance. You got all sorts of signals that said you should think about what your next steps are, or <laughs> here are the next steps that we have for you. Like, are you interested or not? Sort of thing. So. Okay, I guess um, in, in context, that makes sense. To me, it sounded like, you know, this is like not per se contract work, but let's just see how you do it. Maybe we'll fire all of you at the end. Yeah, it's kind of like that. It's not <laughs> like, it's kind of like that. I, I guess I've normalized it, but when you phrase it like that, yeah, it's, it's, it's awfully strange. It's, it's um, not normal. <laughs> yeah, it's awfully strange. I guess I get it. They don't want people who they don't like. This was such a small place that they didn't want any like social loafers. Sure. Per se. I get it. Yeah. Nice. So, Zane, you you have an interesting resignation uh, story. I mean, struggle. Struggle is the right. It wasn't. It wasn't a struggle. Okay, so I had time under my belt too, like awesome. So I accepted an offer in December through school, and then I wanted to give notice. I think in uh april may i don't remember when i did it yeah let's call it april so i sat on it for like four months um and i guess awesome just got a better stomach because i was suffering every day like people were just looking at me i felt like they were looking at me weird i was just carrying around this weight every day in and out like oh my god did you tell anyone at your job by the way no not nobody i I told one guy one one friend about a month before otherwise yeah i had other mba classmates who were also at but I, no one, no one knew. And it was just me. And people were like making some jokes about like, oh, saying you're probably going to leave anytime soon. I'm like, haha, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm staying. But they, they all called it, I guess. Lies. Um, but yeah, I mean, I took four months to write my uh, resignation letter, took my time, lots of drafts, lots of edits, because it was my first and my only. Um, and uh, the way it, it kind of ended up happening was really odd because, my God, my team is so small. It was three people. It was me, another woman, and we reported to our boss. 
And like just one person leaving, like that really screws the team over. And if they don't have contingency plans to replace you with someone, it's, you know, they're, they're, they're really drowning. Um, even when someone goes on vacation, we know it's like tough to manage when one of the three are out. So uh, right. I decided to give him three weeks notice because I was like, it's the kind thing to do. And I did. I gave him three weeks. And in three weeks, they couldn't find a replacement. So what I did was I decided I'm just going to write a desk manual because I didn't have one coming in. I just transitioned with my predecessor. So I spent three weeks writing out in thorough detail how to do my job. And at the end, at the end, I felt like any monkey can do what I've been doing for this long because they just read this manual and my job is irrelevant and they should offshore this or outsource it or get a contractor or something because I felt useless at that point. I wrote a 30 page doc on how to do everything I do. Um, and That's I mean, I, it was it was awkward. I, I didn't feel great about it, but hey, it happened. And uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully they're fine. I don't know how they're doing, but I, I assume they're fine. I bet that they've offshored it. They saw your manual and they're like, wait, this is what we paid him all this money to do? No. Like, <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. How long was your resignation letter? I mean, a page. Less than a page. Like half a page, you know, normal. Half a page, like two paragraphs? Yeah, two paragraphs. That was kind. I said lots of thank yous and I appreciate uh, you. Okay. And, you know, Seven years is a long time. Um, who did you give the letter to? So I had two bosses. I had the boss who was part of this group of three. And then I had a career owner who coincidentally was retiring the day I gave the letter. I didn't even know. I walk into this homie's office and there's people walking up and down the hall of my, my career manager's office. I'm like, what's going on? They're like, oh, he retired. Didn't you know? So now I'm walking into his office and I shake his hand and I'm like, hey, I heard the good news. And he's like, yeah, I assumed you'd come drop by to say hello. <laughs> and I was like, that's not why I'm here. I'm here to resign. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sure he took it in stride. At that point, yeah, he probably didn't care. We both smiled and he was like, well, all right. But he was a nice guy. He was fantastic. Um, so you gave him a bunch of paperwork to do on his like last few hours <laughs> on the roll? Oh my god. He was resigning and he was retiring and good for him. Yeah, not even resigning. That that man was done with all work. And then he you came done. in and was like, hey, Here's can you more. process my resignation? <laughs> yeah. Uh I asked about the resignation letter because uh, I've used the same one for all four jobs that I've quit. I just like replaced the name of the company. I changed like one line, but it's maybe 40 words. And so Zane's like writing his heart out in his resignation letter. And I'm like, company X, thank you for development. I am leaving. Goodbye. Because uh, in my crazy. mind, like, no one reads it. No one reads that. It like maybe goes in a file or mo more likely gets shredded. Like no one cares. Um, but I didn't I, even realize that people wrote physical letters. I yeah. thought that was only something that happened in movies. I printed it out. I printed, I printed it out. I printed it over. Yeah. Wow. Letterhead and everything. Jeez. Signature. There's like something official you want to leave behind. I I think. I think it's. Um, I, I my my first resignation was really awkward because I actually didn't quit to my boss the day I decided I needed to leave. My boss was on PTO, so we had like this huge all hands, and I had to ask like my manager's peer to stay back, and like sit in a huge conference room by myself in the back. When, like she was actually in Pennsylvania while I was in Phoenix 
And it was just a really uncomfortable conversation because I had to relive it again when she told my manager who then called me. Oof. So that was really uncomfortable. Um, and my my last role at was really uncomfortable too because I boomeranged back to my same team, but I was really unhappy and found a new job at in a different role, in a different function, <laughs> uh, trying to like basically closely align with what I wanted to do because I wasn't having any luck with consulting. But my worst nightmare, I started the new job. It's a brand new function. I have two, three new reports. <laughs> I have to build up this whole offering. Like it just didn't exist until I got there. Turns out I was also number two choice for this job. Number one had like some issue and couldn't like take the job. So oh, I got no. it because, and I'm not offended by that. It was in retail IT, which I have no experience in. Um, so I spend basically like, two weeks getting ready and like getting into this job and uh, I got the offer and there was no chance I wasn't taking it. And I had to align my like mid, you know, mid-year bonus with when I needed to quit, make sure everything hit on time. And so I was like a lame duck for a month. I had to balance like showing some effort with not doing too much effort. Cause not only did I not want to do it cause it, I was leaving, but someone knew who's coming in to build a brand new offer. Like they want to make their own imprint on yeah, turns out that the, the person who got the job first, who couldn't do it, I think ended up getting the job again once I left. Like by the time I had taken the job and quit, she was ready to like take the new role. It was really awkward, but <laughs> I had a really good manager and he was really chill about it. He's like, look out for you. You do what's best. So all in all, okay. But I had a gut wrenching month, so I don't know how you did it for six, six months. I was even, but I guess... Like you said, it's second nature for you now. So, um, in stride. All right, we're gonna end with a, a quick, quick fun question, or not fun, depending on your oh train God. of thought. Uh, what job would you never consider doing? Oh my, who wants to go? I mean, you go first. Do you have an answer? I mean, look, I think there's some industries you would and would not want to work in so like you never know you may like boomerang back anytime where you came from and i think i enjoyed my experience but manufacturing in particular is really rough because i feel like in at my old career i had a chance to do a lot i did engineering i did research i did operations i did supply chain so i did a lot of stuff but when i did support at manufacturing in a plant boy, is it rough when you get called out in the middle of the night, when you have to come in on a weekend, when you are like the only one in the field who knows how to figure something out. There's like a hundred eyes on you. There's a lot of pressure in getting something physical to work and it's not fun. Um, I don't think I could do it forever. The thrill you get at the end of getting something working is like, man, you're a superhero, but I don't think I could do that forever. I wouldn't want to go back into manufacturing. It's not for everyone. And I, who knows, maybe I'll change, but I don't think I could do that. I think it's really funny that the job you've never considered doing is the job you've already done. 
Can we just take a moment to appreciate that? <laughs> <laughs> Not only a job you've done, but you like moved to middle of nowhere and did this job. And that's the I one did. job of, of, to be clear, I didn't put any restrictions on this. I said, what job would you never consider doing? And Zane's like, ooh, the job I did. I would never. No, I just, I'm, I'm. You have a whole world of jobs. Okay, like I don't want to work at McDonald's or Taco Bell. I get it, but also like okay, I, hold on. That's I mean, look, yeah, the dream. Never. I said, <laughs> what job would you never do? Those are gateway jobs to manager, store owner, regional <laughs> I manager. I want that. I don't want that. Take it. Take it. I'll go do something else. Awesome. Any thoughts? Um. So not to be taken the wrong way, but let me like let me give my let me give a fuller disclaimer. Um, work is super important to me. Like I spend more than 40 hours a week, every week. And if you include the time that I'm thinking about work, it's like a lot more time. And so that I'm intellectually engaged with my job is super important to me. It is like, you know, it can be in any industry on any topic as I've learned when I did a bunch of freelance consulting over the last two years. But if it is intellectually boring and I can't find, you know, any way to get the engine going, I will hate it. So to that end, and I talk to Sagar, you know, every day, multiple <laughs> times a day. And sometimes when I hear about how un how intellectually oh disengaged he is, I would probably pick those jobs <laughs> as things that I would not do. Oh God. Feel Sagar, how do you feel? Oh God. <laughs> oh God, that hurt. It hurt. You know, it hurts the most because it's so true. <laughs> but it hurts so much. Respect, Azam. Damn. That I, was savage, I felt but that pain respect. so like viscerally. It wasn't meant to be savage. I could see how you could think that though. No, but, but it was really like it I felt the pain through our signal chat when you were like, I'm doing this incredibly stupid thing, and then I would just hear it out. And it would be you you, you never under or oversold it. It was no. super disengaging. So Respect. That's respect. I love it. <clears throat> so uh, my answer has two lenses to it because it's a job I think I would do, but that was after like a lot of thinking and reflection. I think in today's day and age, I would not want to be a public school educator. Ooh. I think that it is a very uh, underpaid, unforgiving, and just brutal job that not only requires like educating minds, but also like forming humans and behaviors and now safety. Just not, I'm not interested. I've just not found, like I, I actually worked for Teach for America. I thought I was going to do that out of college. And You wanted to be a teacher out of college? I didn't know this. I did, yeah. I worked oh, for Teach for America um, to work on my app. Because I would love to be an educator. Don't get me wrong. But I would need to, yeah, doctor. I want to get my PhD, go teach in a university, become tenured, and then just mess around. No, I I think educating is great. I would love to do that. But just the other stuff that comes with being a public school teacher just sounds terrible to me. Mm. So that was my would you never... Um, well, that wraps up our, our conversations about jobs. Thank you, Azam Zane, for entertaining. Um, we're going to do one last wrap-up, which is a philosophical question. Love it. Um, for our listeners, they have not been prompted to this question. This is the first time they're hearing it. Uh, you can make this a 
two second answer, I would prefer you not. But if you would, I'm not going to stop you. If you no, you can make it a two second. But if you can expand on your thought process here or think out loud as you answer this question, that would be great. I'd love for you to just start talking. So the question is this: If you were to use a time machine, would you rather have one that only goes back in time or only goes forward in time? Does that make sense? You want me to repeat it? Yeah, I know my answer. So if if you have a time machine, Wait. would you have one that only goes back in time or one that only goes forward in time? I'm ready. Go ahead. Start talking out loud. Let's hear your thought process. Do you want to round robin first and everyone say backwards forwards and then we explain? Just so we don't uh, influence each other's answers. Hey, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. All right. Backwards. 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 Oh, this is not fun. Oh, man. <laughs> Okay. Well, give your answer and say why right. you didn't pick forward. Look, this might I, I struggle with extreme uncertainty. I don't know what's ahead. I don't want to know. What if it's something wild? Like, I don't want to have to deal with that. If we go backwards, I can go exactly where I know what I want to see and why, and I can validate or prove wrong what I'm thinking. I like that sort of certainty about going backwards and seeing something maybe either beautiful or ugly, but I, I know. I know what it is. Forwards? I'm not. I'm not cut out for that. I'm good. I don't want to see the aliens taking over. I'm. I'm. I'm bueno. We're good. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll. I'll agree with that. I think the reason I went backwards is is one the uncertainty, because I. I kind of we relatively know what history has happened, what events have occurred. You could pick your time and place and feel pretty good about it. Going in the future, you could just be in the infinite infinite loop of like worse and worse places and worse and worse environments. And to me, the other thing, like infinite life, right? You just keep going back and you don't age potentially, hopefully. And also you can always undo a bad decision. And that's pretty refreshing to me. Not that I make a ton of them, but okay. it's good to know. <laughs> Azam, what are you thinking? You guys make a good case for backwards, but for the sake of discussion. Oh, here we go. I'm going to say, I'm going to pick forwards. Um, let me figure out what the right way to articulate why forwards. I love the devil's advocate stance. I'm here for it. So what if you could leap forward and learn that things actually ended up okay? Like, let me give you an example. I did a, I did like a student panel discussion with a bunch of undergrad engineering students at UT. And I could like hear the nervousness in their voices and at the very end they were like oh what's what's like one piece of advice that you know you would give to yourself and i just said something like like everyone should you know take a breather like you go to a great school you go you studied an important thing like there is nobody i know who graduated ut in engineering who did not end up like fine or much much better than fine and I don't think that was what was going through everyone's heads. I think people were thinking, oh, crap, what if I actually don't get a job? What if I fail my OCHEM test? You, 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 yeah, people failed OCHEM tests. And really nothing bad ever happened to them. They just failed the OCHEM test. That was the trough. And then they only had up from there. So I think I'd pick forwards because I think there's a really good chance that things ended up OK. And everyone's biggest fears were not nearly as bad as they appeared in our brains. And that would be really relieving 
because when you come back from the future and go back to live your normal life, you just can walk around with a sense of confidence and with a sense of calm. So that would be the argument for forwards. What a positive way to end the pod. Optimistic. Optimistic. The future is bright. The future is bright. It gets better. It gets better. <laughs> we don't know that. The future could be bright. We didn't talk the converse of that. And, uh... <laughs> uh, I love it. Well, thanks again, Azam, for spending uh, the evening with us. We appreciate it. Thanks for entertaining our questions. It's my pleasure. Friends, we will see you next time. Next time. Big brain. Small talk. Oh, 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 oh,